Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Kelly Campbell. And like many of you, I'm sure we have been reminded these past few years of just how little control we hold. Life can feel really frightening, really painful at times, but praise God, we are never without hope because we belong to the God of hope. And he is the one who sees us, who loves us, and who promises to remain with us always. And he invites us to turn to him in prayer during times of praise and during times of pain. Well, in this episode, we brought on author and speaker Cricket Keith to join us on a discussion I know is near to her heart, and that's on prayers during hard times. Cricket, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this time together. Cricket is the Women's Ministry Director at First Evangelical Church in Memphis, Tennessee, where she writes and teaches the women's Bible studies. She's also the author of two Moody Bible studies on bended knee and before the throne. Cricket was on staff with Crew for 10 years, and she's a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary. In addition to teaching regularly at her own church, she also speaks at women's conferences and retreats. So we'll put her information in the show notes. And if you are if you have an event coming up, make sure to visit her website and to book her for your next event. Her heart is to encourage women to passionately pursue Jesus Christ. And so you can learn more at cricketkeith.com. And like I said, we'll put that in the show notes. Well, Cricket, I know you mentioned in your study how this really came about during COVID. Is that correct? Yes. During the three months or so that we were shut down during COVID, and I just felt the need of, God, how do I pray during this time? And he directed me to prayers in the Bible, and that's how the study came about. I've been used doing on Before the Throne as my own personal devotion, and I love it. But I, I got the book, and I'm so excited because just what Jennifer was talking about, that it's going to teach me how to pray through these hard times and when my anxiety and my fears try to rear their ugly head. So I have to tell you, I was a little shocked that the very first prayer was how to pray for people who aren't easy to love. And it kind of forced me out of my comfort zone. It kind of forced me to shift my perspective. Like, okay, so why are we starting with people praying for people who have hurt me, who aren't trustworthy, who may have disappointed me? Why that first? Well, as I was praying about, you know, where to go in the Bible, during some of this time, there were things going on and things were, you know, the looting that we saw happening and things like that. And, you know, I just began to have sort of a negative attitude towards people. And plus, there were things going on here. I mean, even uh, it was struggling with people that I knew and things that were being said. And and I just thought, Lord, how do you pray for people when they're not easy to pray for? Or you don't agree with what they're saying or doing. And, and that's why God took me to the prayer of Moses back in Exodus 
32 and 33 is he had led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, and they were in the wilderness. They were camped at Mount Sinai not very long after they'd come out, and he's up on the mountain with God, and God tells him, you go down because your people have done something horrible, and they had made this idol, this golden calf, and God wanted to destroy them. And my initial response would have been, yes, God, take them out. Just do away with them. And so as I thought about that, with what was going on in our world at the time, I realized that I needed to learn from Moses how he responded to people who were not necessarily easy to love and they were not obeying God and they were not respecting God in obedience. And so that's why I started with Moses of God, help me learn how to pray for people the way Moses prayed for people who were not easy to love. And so that's how I started. It was very convicting for me. How does that help us when we are in those situations where people maybe disappoint us, let us down, betray us, whatever, you know, treat us in ways that we wish they would behave differently? How does shifting our prayers onto God's mercy for them, like interceding for them, how how does that help alleviate our anxiety in the moment? That's a good question. I think one thing is that by praying for them, it takes our focus off of our anger or our anxiety, it takes my eyes off of the problem or the situation and puts it on the one who is in control and the one who can work in ways that only he could work. And so when I stop trying to fix things or try to make sense of things myself and I go to prayer, I'm taking, I'm I'm realizing I can't do anything about this, God. This is bigger than I am, but you, God, are working in ways that I can't see. And so I am going to look to you and trust you during this time that I, I can't understand. So it helps me because it takes the pressure off me trying to fix things and make sense of things and look to the one who I know can fix things according to his plan. That's so beautiful. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about just as the way that hot and cold water can't come out of the fountain at the same time. Blessings mm-hmm. and cursings can't come out of your mouth at the same time. And so I often, like you said, when I'm angry, my anxiety increases, not decreases. You think if I just get it out that I would decrease, but I don't. It's when I step back and bless, even when I don't feel like it, that that anxiety starts to decrease. And I know that's not easy. Right. And too, I think when you're praying for somebody, it makes me want to see them through God's eyes. I've had a situation recently, somebody that had hurt me and God just said, pray for them. And I think, really, God, seriously? And so as I prayed for them, I began to think about, I wonder what's going on in their life that caused them to react this way and to do this. And so God uses that time as I'm in prayer to try to redirect my thoughts to being more compassionate for them, which is the thing I think we see with Moses. He was compassionate for those people. He did not want God to destroy them. And I think he began to see them more through God's eyes as people who deserved God's mercy and not God's wrath. And so that helps me. 
Kelly, would you mind actually reading part of that prayer that Cricket has a study in the book? So Exodus 32, verses 31 to 34. And it's such a powerful verse. It says, so Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Then Moses, the Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sins. And what strikes me so much about that verse is that not only was Moses praying for them to be forgiven, but he basically told God, if you don't forgive them, don't forgive me either. Take me out with them. I mean, he's literally laying his life down for these disobedient, ungrateful, really, people that he's trying to lead. Yeah, and I'm not sure I would have prayed that way if it had been me. Yeah. I, I just, I know my, my my attitude. But for him to be able, to be willing to ask God to forgive them for their sin, that you know. I mean, it outraged Moses, I'm sure, too, to know that his people that he was leading, they had disobeyed God and showed such disrespect. But then when he said, but if you're not going to forgive them, then take my life. I mean, he was willing to sacrifice his life for people who didn't deserve it so that they could enjoy God's mercy. And what a beautiful picture that is of what Jesus did for us. We don't deserve God's mercy. We do things all the time that are disobedient and not honoring to God. And yet Jesus went to the Father and he said, I'll die in their place. I mean, take my life. And that's what Moses said, take my life. Now, Moses couldn't atone for their sin, but he gives us that picture of what Jesus did for us. And I love that. And I hope that I can follow that example too and intercede for people that are difficult and I don't think necessarily deserve, but deserve God's compassion sometimes when I find myself anxious or, or stressed about things. Yes, you know what? I need to pray for their their salvation too. And you know, I wonder if that's part of that, you know, as you go to God in prayer, how he he gives us his perspective and then he kind of cleanses us of those things that aren't of him, aren't aren't like him. And so when you were, you know, researching, studying Moses's prayer, I know in our conversation now you went straight to Jesus. So did was that kind of an aha moment as you were reading as well? Like, this is my Jesus. Yes, because I, you know, I'd read this passage lots of times before and never thought about it. But as I was really focused on this prayer and studying it, it was an aha moment. It was like, oh, this is a picture of Jesus and what he did. Moses couldn't, he wasn't a perfect person, so he couldn't pay for our sin, but he was wanting to do what Jesus could do. And I think that's the attitude. We should have that attitude. God, help me be an intercessor for people, even if I don't like them or don't like what they're doing. Help me intercede for them and bring them to you. I know is it more and more when I am going through like a relational conflict, it's not long before God will reveal to me how much I've been the same and needed his mercy. And that's always a kind of 
And then it it does shift to compassion, right? Because you're like, okay, I actually behaved worse and you still love me and you're still there. So I think that's one of the beautiful things about prayer is it removes, it can remove the pride that can so easily blind us and then lead us towards increased selfishness and bitterness and then isolation and then increased anxiety and anger and all of the ugly junk that can so easily cloud our hearts. And when we're quiet before God and going to him in prayer, like you said, we learn to be attentive to him convicting us. And and I have been convicted so many times just as I'm praying, thinking, oh, Lord, I need to be praying this. For so, yes, I love what you just said. Prayer is just a place for us to go and meet with God. And just like Moses, as he went, you know, to the tent of tabernacle and God would speak to him just like a friend would speak to a friend. And that's what we can have with God as we go to him, that we are sitting down and being honest with him, being real with him. But we're listening to him through just prompting us. Maybe you need to go and talk to that person or maybe you need to forgive that person. And you just said that to the reminder about where because scripture actually does say that he talked to him like a friend to a friend. Yes. I wonder if that is partially where his surrender and his humility came from. He was so secure in his relationship with God. He didn't have to like fight for his relationship or acknowledgement or validation with everyone else. That's really I just that's kind of a profound thought, I think, is just if we can get that first and fully really be secure in who we are in Jesus Christ, we're able mm-hmm. to weather all of these challenges from a place of fullness, of protection, and of strength, and, and of increased peace, I think. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it also helps with our fears and anxieties to know that we can say to God, I don't understand. I'm right. scared. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I don't get this. And that does, like you were saying, that comes from having that relationship of, I mean, just like you would say, I, you know, to a friend, I'm scared about this. You can say that to God. And we see that over and over with Moses and another person you brought up in week two is David and the psalmist, how often they went to God going, I don't get this. I, what do you, I mean, there are times that David just flat out said, what are you doing? Do you not see what you're doing? And But I love his heart. I love that relationship. And I love that he took his anxieties and his fears to the Lord in prayer. The other thing about David that I love too is that he was so honest with God, but then he would turn to praise before anything had changed. He didn't wait till his circumstances got better or God answered his prayer to say, but I trust you, God, and I love you. He prayed that he would praise God before anything changed. And I thought, what a great example for us that we don't wait till God has done what we're wanting him to do. When we're in the middle of fear and life is overwhelming us, we can follow David's example and move to that place of of trust because I've told my women here often, you know, God does not want us to live in a place of fear. He wants us to live in a place of trust, in a place of faith. I mean, trust him. And we don't wait till the circumstances change to praise him and to thank him and to trust him. Well, I think David was another one who 
knew God intimately. And, mm-hmm. and I think that really, when you can say, okay, I don't understand all of this, but I know you, then it's kind of like, well, in your, in your discussion, so you bring up one of the, one of David's prayers in particular was Psalm 28. And so I'll actually read a bit of that now where he says to you, Lord, I call you are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. And then, like you said, he shifted. So in verses three to five, he said, praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. And I love this this line right here. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. So he went from, it it seemed like a place of desperation, right? Like I need your mercy to my heart leaps for joy. And that's such a beautiful picture. He uses some imagery also in this passage. I would love for you to discuss more. He talks about God being his, his rock. So what, what does that mean to us when circumstances feel completely chaotic? Well, I love that picture of God as our rock, because when you think of a rock, especially a boulder, a big rock, that rock is solid. It is stable. It is not going to be moved. It's not going to be uh, blown away, washed away, not easily picked up. You know, I mean, it's, it's like he is not going anywhere. And when I pray to God as my rock, it gives me a sense of peace and comfort and strength because I know that as I cling to that rock, I'm not going to be blown away. I'm not going to be crushed because I'm, I'm with my stable God who is there, who's not going anywhere, who's not wavering. And so that's why I love his imagery of God as my rock. I mean, I love his imagery that he uses even in Psalm 27. You know, he's my light. I mean, light takes away fear. Like, I don't like being in the dark. When I moved into my neighborhood in Memphis, there were no streetlights. And I was scared. But the minute they put those streetlights, I could look out and go, if that's how, when God is our light, and he, he shows the way, but he takes away our fears because he shows us what we need to see and that he's there. there. All those images that David uses to describe God really can give us great sense of security and peace. And they're so beautiful. And it's so important to hold on to that. But I have to be honest with you. Sometimes it is easier for me to hold on to those images and hold on to God as my refuge and my rock when things are bad. And when things are good, it's easier to kind of walk my own path and just go, I got this. I'm doing well. And I really struggle in times of waiting. You know, when when I think I've done what God has called me to do and all of a sudden everything just stops and then I start to wonder, you know, did I hear from God? Am I wrong? And I know you went through this challenging time of waiting yourself. How did you find trust and holding on to God as a rock when you felt like you were in the dark? Yeah, I uh, I shared a little bit in uh, one of the lessons just how a number of years ago, I was living in Dallas and I was going to seminary, wanting to go back into full-time ministry. I was presently working in the hospital in surgery and I just felt God was leading me to go to back to full-time ministry and my mentors said, hey, you need to go to seminary. So I went to Dallas Seminary part-time while I worked in the hospital. And when it came time to graduate, I didn't have a job. And I'm sitting there with my friends from my church at graduation and they everybody had a job except for me. 
And I felt unloved. I felt like God had forgotten me. I remember saying to God, hello there. I'm here. Do you see me? Do you remember me? I mean, God, have you forgot me? And so the waiting was hard. And I mean, I wrestled with God during that time and wondering the, the fears of God, did I miss your direction? I mean, did I not hear you right? I thought you wanted me to do this. You know, am I going to spend the rest of my life in this job that I really don't want to do? And there were all these fears that just kind of came over. And I really just did not understand what God was doing. Questioned him and said, God, why do you not provide a job? Why? What is the deal? But that summer, I graduated in May, but I had two classes to take on the summer. And that summer in August, I finished my last class on a Friday morning and I got on a plane on a Friday that afternoon, flew to Memphis and interviewed for a job as a women's director here in Memphis at a church. And that was God's plan for me. And I look back at that and I can honestly say the waiting was worth it because this job was a gift that God had been preparing for me, but he he couldn't show me that until it was time. And he was up here working in Memphis during that time when I didn't think he was doing anything. Oh, yeah, he was at work up here preparing this church for a women's director. And then he was working in me to prepare me for these women and this job. And I look back that when I get discouraged today about, God, why aren't you doing something? What are you doing? I can look back to how he worked in that hard season and go, you know what, God? It was worth waiting then. It is worth waiting now. And I can trust you. And so I look back at that situation and other situations that I've seen God work. And that's what I would encourage all of us to do is that when we're discouraged and afraid and feeling like God's forgotten us, that we would just stop and go, but God, I remember when you did this and how you worked. I could trust you then. I'm going to trust you now. Yeah, I think too, looking at these prayers in scripture, so these were real people who went through real circumstances and with a very real God. And we can look at, okay, God was faithful with them. Scripture says he's unchanging, therefore he's going to be faithful with me. And I often challenge our listeners to trace out their fears to the proclamations they're claiming. So like, for example, if we're in a waiting period and you're like, well, God, why are you blessing everyone else and not me? So then if that were to be true, then we would say, okay, so are we saying God has favorites? Okay, well, that doesn't sound like God. Are are we saying his love is conditional? Well, that doesn't sound like God. And sometimes, at least for me, if I can bring it back to what is the proclamation I'm making with this fear or with this negative thought before I let them kind of all go (laughs) 100 miles an hour and get snowball one (laughs) after the other. And what do I know to be true about God that can speak to that. And I heard you talk about that. Do you journal? Oh, I do every day. Do you have any of your journals from that time? I do actually. And I go back to those days and that's why I would encourage your listeners to journal if they can. I know some people just hate to do it. I think journaling is so valuable. I go back, I'll go find that journal and I will read back through my thoughts during that time. Oh my, it's, it helps me to see the struggles, but then to see, God, it was worth it. I mean, what, where you brought me today, I wouldn't change anything. I I think there's something important I want to mention here. So that was what, 20 years ago for you about? 
About 17 years ago. Okay. So to the listener who hears you now or maybe reads your content and they think, oh, she has this amazing faith. But there was a time when you were struggling with some of these these truths and then God led you bit by bit. And so our faith grows and it matures as we walk through these things with God. So I would just encourage listeners to don't beat yourself up over I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with doubt. I'm struggling with questions. See it not as a condemnation, not as a failure, but as an opportunity. Okay. Mm -hmm. I am going to experience Christ in this moment and that's going to grow me and it's going to strengthen me and increase my faith. So I, I, did want to kind of because listening to you talking like okay she's she's so wise and you are but that's a hard-earned <laughs> wisdom right well you go through you learn wisdom from going through the hard times of trust and i think back i went through a hard season here of my mom before she passed away and just crying out Sorry. to god god why don't you take her home she's begging you to take her home and just struggling with god but you know, when he took her home, after he took her home, I remember sitting and talking to him and saying, God, I wouldn't change anything about this, the way you did that, because you have brought me to a place with you that I would have never gotten if you wow. had not walked me through that season. And so I think we need to just, it's hard when you're in the middle of it. <laughs> To say, oh, God, yes, I know you're working in me, but there will come a time when you're on the other side that you can look back and go, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change that, Lord, because of where you brought me today. I would not want to be back where I was. So thank you, God, for bringing me through this time of, of struggle and because you brought me to that place of desperate dependence on you where you were the only hope I had. I love that phrase, desperate dependence. Amen mm -hmm. to that. So there is a, there have been several times in this study that I've literally had to kind of take a deep breath and sit with it. One of them was a quote that you put by Paul David Tripp. And to kind of paraphrase, it basically said that when God becomes larger than anything you ever can face, that's when your heart is able to experience peace. And he goes on to say, even if you don't understand what is happening, and you don't have the power to solve it, even if you did. That really made me pause because there's so many times that I just, I want to make a deal with God. Hey, tell me what's happening. Explain it to me. And then that way I won't be anxious. I think truthfully what I'm saying is in that way I can fix it. And I think that's why God sometimes says no. <laughs> but it can be difficult. So I feel like that's maybe what you experienced in those times with seminary and with your mom is, you know, learning that it's okay when God doesn't show you every single step. Yeah. And I've shared with people, I think God is leading me through life corner by corner. He will not show me the whole picture. I want to know the whole blueprint. What's next? What's, you know, what's after seminary? What's after this? What's that? And he's like, nope, you trust me to the next corner. And then we'll go together around that corner and we'll just, you know. And he knows that if I could see what's around the corner, I would be terrified sometimes. If he had told me what I was going to have to go through with my mom during those years, I would have said, nope, I can't do it. And he knew that. And he knows That's that. I, I do want to say I'm really sorry for your loss. I know that. 
I, yeah, I'm just really sorry. It's hard. Well, God, thank you. But God used it. My mom's with the Lord now. Amen. and uh, <laughs> so. She's dancing with angels. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your study. Actually, one of our online groups is doing the study now. I don't know if they've officially launched, but you can go to our website, holylove.com, and you can find out information. You can join that. It's it's online through Zoom, and it's actually your first study, Cricket, that they are are doing on bended knee, correct? Is that right? Yes. That's the first one. Yes, and both are both are wonderful prayer based, very biblically sound studies that where she guides you into what we would call inductive study, where you are pulling from the scripture what you are learning. So it's a great study. I would encourage you to check out and. I would love to leave you just with the thought that Cricket ended with. Just trust God corner by corner. That's all you have to do. Just trust him today for your next steps. And don't even think past that. Sometimes we like to jump ahead. Well, Cricket, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. We could talk forever about this. We could. Well, because we just got to week two. So there's a lot of great (laughs) prayers in the study. So make sure to check it out. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and that maybe we introduce you to a resource that you can implement in your life and really gain some increased peace and intimacy with Jesus Christ. If you haven't already done so, we would encourage you to subscribe and then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to rate it. That helps others to find it and it encourages our team as well. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.